Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Tops, the name in collectible card trading. We've got a very special Tops read coming up, a, a random card reading coming up later on in the show. But for now, head over to Tops.com and check out all of their great content, merchandise, exclusives from baseball to the Star Wars Masterworks collection available now from Tops. You can rediscover Tops and rediscover the joy of collecting. And while you do that, check out the Star Wars Card Trader. Available on the iOS and Android device of your choice. It's the Star Wars Galaxy in the palm of your hand. I'm One Take Glosson. This is Geek Out Loud. Never has an intro been more appropriate because we are headed into the great hall of the Justice League as we discuss the Justice League. And there was a trailer that dropped today at the time of this recording. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that. All that on your safe place to geek out. everyone and welcome to geek out loud my name is steve glosson so glad to be along with you on this episode of your safe place to geek out we have some business to discuss as we move into this episode and uh, i think we're going to do it casual i think we're going to we're going to fly casual on this episode so welcome to the quiet storm of geek out loud that was silent thunder silent thunder starring tom cruise val kilmer John Stamos. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Glad to have you along with us. Man, we've got a show for you as we're going to be discussing Justice League and uh, and what's happening over there with the DCEU, I believe is what they call the uh, cinematic universe of the DC Comics movies. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about that Avengers Infinity War trailer that dropped today. As we do, when trailers drop, we're going to discuss it and see what we can glean from it and take from it. We're going to discuss terms that geeks use and when commenting on things and Facebook groups and stuff. I may be calling someone. I don't know. It depends on how frisky I'm feeling when we get there. I have been feeling frisky, though. Not going to lie to you. Right here, you can hear this. This is a pack of unopened cards that we're going to be opening on the show, and we'll dis we'll explain that to you as we get there. We have some random readings coming from the Star Wars Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor book, as written, uh, co-written 
by Adam Bray, along with Ryder Wyndham. It's a great-looking book, a white cover with just the black outline of a stormtrooper's basically face on the cover. And this covers really the history. That's a lot of times to say cover. The history of the stormtrooper in Star Wars. And um, it's a beautiful-looking book. And uh, we'll be talking about it. We're going to have Adam Bray... um, on the show soon um, to not only talk this, but kind of the year in review. He's going to do a do a bit of a year in review show with us. We've got our Christmas episode coming up. We'll talk more about that as we get into the show. Uh, look at all this stuff I'm billboarding. Get re- Settle in, everybody. Grab you some nog, some eggnog, maybe a little hot chocolate, and, uh, and settle in as we get ready to get into Geek Out Loud. It's going to be some good stuff. This show is brought to you by our uh, featured supporter this week, Gen C. The power of a photographic memory may not seem like much, but Gen C uses it not only to remember what to get from the grocery store, but also to be the world's greatest detective. With the memory comes an uncanny ability to see through lies and deceptions like Borgullet. Borgullet! Only without causing one to lose one's mind. That's our featured supporter, Gen C. On this episode, if you want to support the shows directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We thank everyone who supports us there uh, at Patreon. Um, you are overly kind to me and to this network, and uh, and we greatly appreciate it. And we're going to try to give back to some of you uh, as we get into the month of um, December. Uh, and uh, everyone who supports the Goldiverse, we're going to try to give back a little bit to you, and you'll see what we're talking about. As we get into this episode, we've got some things to give away. We're going to be talking about that Fandango gift card giveaway coming up just a little bit later on. So stay tuned. Did you win? Did you win one? We don't know. I'll tell you how that all went down momentarily. And I'll tell you how you can win one um, later on in the show as well. So stick with us. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, let's do something we haven't done in a long time. Let's jump into some emails. All right, let's see what we've got here. And I and I apologize if I miss some of you or if I'm rereading some things. This comes from Thomas Smith. He says, thought I wouldn't like it, but I did. Uh, he says, greetings programs. To be honest, before I started listening, I wasn't sure if I'd like Geek Out Loud. I don't like where this email is going, Thomas Smith. I really uh, started listening to Tron decoding the grid. I'm quite the Troniac, if you couldn't tell. And then they'd occasionally talk about the show. And then when I needed a Rebels recap show, I found Rebel Yell. But for a very long time, I avoided Geek Out Loud itself. I wasn't sure I'd enjoy someone just talking general geekery. However, there did come a day when I exhausted all my regular podcasts and needed something. So I gave it a shot. Fell in love with the show. Not only have you talked about Tron and Star Wars stuff that I love, but passionate discussions and geek outs and things like about things like Transformer. It inspired me to go back and check out the class uh, if show... Class if show classic shows maybe. In fact, your recent epic retelling of your quest to find the last Jedi, Luke Skywalker, inspired me to embark on my own quest. Picks are attached, and sure enough, there's one. I was going to continue this and ask if you ever heard the tragedy of Tron Uprising, the amazing. It's not a story of House of In- the House of Mouse would tell you, but it became clear that indeed you had. I do want to ask if you tried out the Netflix Voltron series and what you thought of that. End of line. 
And that's from Thomas. Uh, so much to touch on here because he reminded me of something that I've discovered or, or stumbled upon thanks to scrolling through Facebook this week. It is the Go90 app that's available on iTunes. Um, and on this particular app, it's uh, it's entertainment. There's a bunch of different stuff. There's a, there's soccer. If you like soccer, you can watch soccer. There's um, some various anime things there. I'm, I've never been familiar with this app at all. Um, but there's a Transformers cartoon um, that has apparently been around for a year and it's the classic characters and it's it's a takeoff of the idw comics the titans return and stuff if you see in the toy stores all those titan returns and combiner wars and stuff this cartoon kind of covers some of that and it's um it's pretty well done i've watched just a couple of episodes a very short minisodes and uh and i was surprised at how free it all was um but i would encourage you to check out it's go90 go90 and um, check out these Transformers cartoons. They're pretty good. Now, as far as the Netflix Voltron series goes, yes, I am caught up on the Netflix Voltron series. I find myself liking it a lot, uh, as, as with anything that brings back the classic stuff that I used to love as a kid. I really find myself wishing that they would use classic Voltron music, you know, that classic Voltron theme, which I always thought was really cool. It, Voltron is one of those shows from the 80s that whoa, that if you go back and watch unfortunately for me and and I'm and I know I'm alone in this because I know that as far as storytelling and stuff went there was a a, a big mythos to it and a huge mythology but for me there's just something about it that doesn't stand up um and 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 this new cartoon really does it's really good. Um, there's a through, there's a continuing through storyline there. It's basically a reboot of the classic Voltron series. They do a great job of, um, of, of bringing these characters into situations that we never really saw them in, in the, in, in the classic Voltron cartoon. Um, there Keith is, is, is a much different character than he was in in the cartoon so much so that he's got a very interesting story arc going on right now and they started to shorten these seasons up in in the latter two seasons and leave you on a cliffhanger and so i'm i'm ready to bring on the next season of voltron here's that original uh voltron opener um that was that that really it's good music you know it goes from a kind of an orchestral feel into a little bit of a rock and roll feel check it out From days of long ago. Oh, by the way, that's Peter Cole and Optimus Prime. regions of the universe comes a legend. The legend of Voltron, defender of the universe. A mighty robot, loved by good, feared by evil. As Voltron's legend grew, peace settled across the galaxy. On planet Earth, a galaxy alliance was formed. Together with the good planets of the solar system, they maintained peace throughout the universe until a new horrible menace threatened the galaxy. Voltron was needed once more. This is the story of the super force of space explorers. Specially trained and sent by the Alliance 
to bring back. Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Ready to form Voltron! Oh, here we go. They're going to form Voltron on us. We hadn't gotten any of that except one time. You hear that? That dun 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 dun, dun. and then down down goes into that kind of synth rock music. What are you going to form, Keith? Okay. Can all the lines roar at me now? One, two, there's the arms. Here's the feet. Yes. Yeah, that's, see, that's some classic stuff. And they don't use that theme near enough for my liking. And I know that's just me. I know that's me being an old fogey. Be like, I like that old theme. Man, that old theme was something, wasn't it? How about that? Um, but I do like the soundtrack. The soundtrack is like, I'm really hoping that they'll release the music of the new Voltron cartoon from Netflix because it, it's not bad. It's actually really good. And the show itself is a lot of fun. And again, it's, it's really intriguing. Uh, some of the story arcs and stuff they have going on. Um, so, uh, so I dig it. Uh, the Voltron Lions, Bianca in the chat says, Voltron Lions greater than Power Rangers. I got to agree. I gotta agree. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really, um, really dig it. So, um, anyway, um, <laughs> um, what's happening here? I've, I've opened up something that I didn't mean to open. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the delay. I, I know I did mean to do it cause I'm one take Lawson. Uh, moving on here in the emails. Thank you, Thomas, and I'm glad you're enjoying the show. I hope you continue to enjoy it and you stick with us. And um, and, I, and I've been meaning to talk more in depth about the Netflix Voltron series because I have really enjoyed it. Uh, it it's become binge-watching for me whenever there's been a new season out. So uh, I, I've liked it more than I liked what Nicktoons did with uh, basically their continuing of the Voltron mythology. Um. It was uh, it, it was it was an attempt to try to bring young kids in to something by adding a new whole group, and then they add different powers, and Voltron could switch who was the head, and that changed Voltron's powers. It was just it got to be a little much. I wasn't a not a not a big not a big not a big fan of it, but I still watched it because it was Voltron. Uh, Brian from Yorkshire, England, says I listened to episode two seventeen today. As I'm catching up on your episodes whilst doing paperwork, you spoke about the music used within the Thor Ragnarok trailer and how much you love synthesized instruments in 80s style. If you don't know about them already, the Tangerine Dream, they composed the theme to Street Hawk from 1984. Love the show, Steve, and I look forward to every new show, in particular the times that you sing along to a cheesy song within the show. Well, you never know when that might happen. I was actually um, privileged to be on earlier this week on on Straight Talk with Scott Rifen out of WGIG AM 1440 in Brunswick, Georgia. And uh, spent, a, spent about an hour and a half uh, there with him on the show, and I would start to try to sing, and he would not let me. 
All right, let's see. I'm going to do tangent. I'm just going to tangerine dream real quick and see what we think. Ooh, Hyperborea. That looks interesting. Let's check it out here. Let's hear what they have to say. We won't listen to the whole thing because it's a full album. It's starting out all right for me. I like the kind of like we're about to go into something. I hear, I hear what's meant to be bagpipes in the background, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Can we talk about in a moment bagpipes used in songs? that are not like bagpipe songs. I think we should. Oh, drum machine. This also kind of reminds me of... We have... Oh, man. I'm, it, it's sounding like John Farnham's You're the Voice, by the way, for a minute here. Which now that makes me, of course, want to listen to You're the Voice by John Farnham. So can we do that? Also that, we belong to the Lord, we belong to the night. That one. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump ahead a little bit because the one thing about these, these synth songs sometimes is they do take a while to build to what they're doing. So let me, let me just bump ahead. See, I bumped ahead to four. This was the whole song. This is four and a half minutes of it. Still kind of doing the same thing. I'm going to bump ahead. Ooh. This is obviously a different track. Anyhow, well, this does sound like it'd be right up my alley, if I'm being honest. Right up mine alley. Right, right up mine alley. I'm not going to try to do. Brian is actually in Yorkshire, England, and I'm not even going to attempt. It would be rude, I feel like, to attempt a British accent. So I'm not going to do that. I, I, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not in the words of uh, my spirit animal, Heather Land, I ain't doing it. Um, Matthew Rushing. Hi, Steve. I love the show. Wanted to write in about Gotham. In some ways, I'm with you about it being a guilty pleasure show. It's sometimes way over the top, and not all the actors have been the best. But I think I figured out the show. In the last few years, I've been immersing myself into the DC comics, reading a lot of the old stuff, most of the new 52, and now Rebirth. One thing that I've noticed is that the Batman line tends to be over the top, even for comics, and quite operatic. I think this is what Gotham is going for. Each episode feels like an issue of a comic, outlandish and unapologetically very comic-ish. I also think they realize what they have in the relationship of Bruce and Alfred. This is a unique opportunity to see Bruce in, his time, in a time of his life we've not really seen before. So mining that, as well as his journey toward the Batman moniker, is the force of the show at this point. And along the way, we are seeing a city that is continually descending into complete chaos, a city that needs Batman. I wanted to mention that I'm still up on all the CW shows. Supergirl is sadly ranked number four for me. It's just not been as consistent as the other three. Flash, Arrow, and Legends all continue to be great, even if Flash last season was not as good as it was in the first two seasons. I personally love the DC film, Suicide Squad being the weakest so far, but still enjoy it. I'm glad to hear that Justice League has you excited. I do hope it'll live up uh, for you. Anyway, this is getting long. But thanks for all you do and keep up the great work. And that's from uh, Matt Rushing. No, who is Matt Rushing? Um, thanks, Matt. You know, I yeah, it's it's true. I um, 
I have been struggling with Gotham. I'm behind on everything right now uh, as it pertains to television. Um, I just, I just am. It, it's been, it's been crazy. I've been pretty, pretty busy and not able to, to watch TV um, the way I'd like to. And I'm, I'm behind on all the CW shows at, the, at this time. So I have no idea what's going on in the flash or Supergirl. I do know that the Supergirl episodes I've watched were a little bit of a disappointment to me. The flash stuff has been okay. Um, Gotham I'm, I'm behind on, but I, I, I see what you're saying about the, about the comic being operatic. I, I felt like in recent years, the Batman comics, detective and Batman that I was able to read seemed like they were pushing noir. They've, and they've always been doing this a little bit, um, with that over the top comic book edge to it. But I, I operatic seemed, here's the thing. I feel like the makers of Gotham, are trying to do Tim Burton Batman Batman Returns kind of Batman where it was just a little too much over the top for my taste. Um you know they're not going all the way neon Joel Schumacher but they are doing that that Batman Returns thing and and that's just a little bit outside of my purview. Uh when they get a little more grounded it's a little bit better to me. Um so that's kind of where I'm at on that. <coughs> oh, oh my Atlanta sorry. Right, if you know it, come on with it. The chance to turn the pages all We can write what we want to write. We gotta make ends meet before we get much older. We're all someone's daughter. We're all someone's son. Everybody, here we go. You're the voice. You're the voice. Try and understand it. Make a noise and make it clear. So, there you go. There's that. That's the John Farnham, You're the Voice. Oh, remember Hot Rod? What a good movie. And uh, and this is the other one that that Tangerine Dream sounded like. Coming up in, in about four seconds, you know. Three, two, one. And uh, here we go. Yeah, sing it, Pat. Mm. Now, come on. You can't. This is great. Everybody.
That's how I feel about all of you. We belong together. Everybody. Come on, let's be friends. Uh, but as far as Gotham goes, I, again, I'm behind, and um, I know that they really started kind of rushing headlong into Bruce putting on a mask and starting to do this stuff. He, and unfortunately, that actor works as a young Bruce Wayne for me, but he does not work as a young uh, Batman for me. And that's just me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not dogging the guy at all, and, and, and he has definitely gotten better as things have progressed in that show, but... Um, I don't know. There's, there's just something I need differently from that show, and have needed since it's been, uh, since it's been on the air. Andrew, uh, about Stranger Things. Steve loved listening to your Stranger Things expedition. Jumbo wings and tenders, anyone? My in-laws live about 20 minutes from Jackson. That's Jackson, Georgia. And when visiting them in February, I made my way down there to walk around and find some of the locations. Wish I could have run into pawn shop guy. But I just walked the streets and didn't go into any of the businesses. During that trip, I saw someone tweeting sightings of Hopper's police rig being hauled around on the back of a flatbed truck in the Jackson area. So I believe shooting was still going on at that time, but they had already wrapped in downtown Jackson. Anyway, hearing your adventures reminded me of my own Stranger Things expedition. It was a lot of fun to listen to. Did you get some jumbo wings and tenders? That's my only question right now. I've got to go back to Jackson for jumbo wings and tenders. Hopefully after season two, you guys can head out and find more locations. I know the next time I visit the family in Georgia, I'll be doing the same thing. That's from Andrew. Andrew, I got to tell you, I, I don't know if we'll do Stranger Things again, but I have I have told both Steve and Shaz that I want to do something like that again. I'd love for us to find something, um, be it a movie or another television show, filmed around Georgia the way that that is. Not, I mean, everyone does Walking Dead, and and I'm not real keyed up and fired up about Walking Dead as, as many people are. Um, it's just not my cup of tea, per se. I'm behind. I haven't watched any episodes from this season. Um, but uh, but everyone does that. But I would love to, um, if there's another movie or something out there, that's that's the kind of stuff I'd love to, to do more of because we did have such a good time. Now, I'm going to have to get in shape better because there's a lot of walking involved. And, um, you know, and, and if they're going to make me walk the way that they made me walk, then... I need to be prepared to do so um, in, a, in a better way. Um, our friend Josh sends in. He says, hey, Steve, just wondering if you've seen the movie pass deal. I got one this month, and it's pretty cool. For $9.99 a month, you can see any movie in theaters, one movie per day and once per film. I always thought Gold slash Pass the Corn listeners might find that useful. Anyway, rather, thought that Gold slash Corn listeners might find that useful to see movies they may not have seen in theaters for economic reasons. I know I've seen a few more films that I would normally uh, that I would have normally already. Uh, in my town, one ticket is about ten dollars, so it's a pretty sweet deal. Keep up the great shows, and that's from Josh. I have heard about Movie Pass. I don't know if it's accepted around here in Rome. I'd probably have to drive over to Kennesaw to uh, to see that, which is fine. A lot of with a lot of these bigger movies, I have actually. Pardon me. I have actually. Um, I, I pardoned me because I had to turn down the volume to cough. Um, got a little tickle in the throat. Now, Carissa's going to tell me I need some tea and honey, and that's fine. That's fine. Um, I've got some tea here. I don't like tea. I've got some honey here. Maybe I should just do some tea and honey. Sit there with some tea and honey in the hand and sip on it, and we can we can NPR up GOL. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't know. I, I haven't really looked into it, but it is a cool thing, and I know that it was making some people... Some movie. There, there's been a lot of con controversy 
over it uh, with um, with movie theaters and that sort of thing. Jay says, "Boy, have I loved your Stranger Things rewatch. Been listening the next day while harvesting corn. You go, Jay. Get out there and harvest the corn." Couple quick theories. At this point, I haven't watched season two. When Elle first goes to the water tank to spy, is she the one that accidentally created the Demigorgon, a manifestation of her fear? And as she explores the world in the addition of Will to the Upside Down, does that give the Upside Down form from the first abyss we are shown? Thanks for the entertainment. I'm a big fan of season two. And that's from Jay Coker. Jay, I tell you, I, 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 Chaz and I were discussing that um, on the final rewatch i believe on the final episode of the rewatch i i think it's just a different dimension and i think what l does is she's in between and i and i think they did kind of explain that that she's kind of walking between two worlds when she's in that in that n- that nothing space um because we saw her communicate with people on this side and in doing that and in opening that up for herself she did open up that portal to the other dimension L did open up the portal. Um, however, uh, what was trying to come through was malevolent and, of course, uh, seeking to destroy all life, as we find out in Stranger Things too. And um, and, and but I would I would have been right down on your theory with you uh, before I watched Stranger Things too, which now we've all seen it. Swinimer sends in his top. Stranger Things, top moments in Stranger Things 2. And I got to tell you, he sent this in before I'd had a chance to watch Stranger Things, so I've not read, um, I've not read this, uh, this, this yet, but I'm, I'm about to. He says, hi, Steve. I finished Stranger Things 2 last night. Just had to write you this email to share my top moments. It goes without saying spoilers, but I'm sure you've seen the whole thing at least twice by now. You know, I've only watched it once so far. The restaurant bar scene with Hopper and Dr. Owens is a direct homage to the movie Diner starring Paul Reiser and a cavalcade of Hollywood stars. The line, are you going to finish that, is from that movie. How about the line, are you going to finish that, is from me going out to eat with people? Don't ask me this anymore. That's Steve Gutenberg. Yes. You going to finish that? Yeah, I'm going to finish it. I paid for it. I'm not going to give it to you. No. If you're not going to finish it, I would eat it, but if you're going to eat it, you're going to what do you want? Say the words. No, go ahead. You're going to eat it. You eat it. That's all right. Say the words. I want the roast beef sandwich. Say the words and I'll give you a piece. Would you guys cut this out? I mean, every time. Anything. Well, if he doesn't talk, he just... He, well, you he know go- what he means, right? Yeah, I know what he means, but he beats around the bush. He beats around the bush. If he'd say the words, I'd give him a piece. If I wanted it, would I, wouldn't I ask you? No, then I ask. You know you, you want... Just let it go. You know he wants it. Listen, let me tell you something. Are you going to eat that? That's right out of my life. I'm just telling you. A more obvious homage is the scene with Dr. Owens and Hopper in the control room above the pit, just like the scene in Aliens. Yes! Yes! I thought of that same thing. Paul Reiser standing behind the technician looking at the helmet-mounted cameras as the soldiers enter the tunnels and burn the tentacles. The radar pings of the demi-dogs are eerily similar to the scene from Aliens where the Marines enter the heating facility. I was thinking, I, felt, I thought it was the same thing. It's also noteworthy that two major stars from the Alien movie franchise appear on screen together, Paul Reiser and Renona Ryder. I like the standoff between the buyer, the standoff scene in the buyer's house where Hopper asks who can use the gun, and Nancy is the only one who speaks up. The snowball dance scene is great as a moment of triumph for the Hawkins kids and gives a good sense of closure for season two. Beyond the innocence of the "Will You Dance with Me" scenes, it's memorable because Mike and Elle are dancing in almost the same spot where last season Elle was floating in the salt-filled kids' pool. What a reversal of fortunes, indeed! By the way, the show's producers must have found the world's longest version of Sydney's Loppers time after time. The song is about four minutes max, but it seems to go on forever in the background. Well, you know what? 
you, what you've got to assume is that they're jumping around during the song and there's, you know, a little bit of time jumps in there, you know, because things are happening concurrently. Concurrently. Yeah. I also like the over the use of the overlooked Olivia Newton-John song, Twist of Fate. Great song from a terrible movie. Not recommended. Speaking of songs, I really like the inclusion of Ted Nugent's Wango Tango. It really kicks in for the scene as a reminder of better times for that artist. Although Sean Astin's quip about looking for pirate treasures or direct references rolling the Goonies because you knew it was coming and season two has a very strong Goonies vibe, it was a nice moment nonetheless. I'm sure you have a literal ton of other great moments, but I just want to send along mine while they're still fresh on my mind. Thanks for the tremendous work you, Shaz, and Team Steve did on Stranger Things Expedition. You should get a podcast award for that effort alone. It was truly marvelous. Thanks. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you, Swinner. I appreciate the compliments. Listen, we did it for ourselves. We had fun. And um, and then we wanted to definitely turn that into something for you, the listeners. And I've got to finish up those blogs at Geek Out Online. Uh, there was a move in the midst of all that and and just trying to get settled in. And then, boom, we're smack dab in the middle of the holidays. And, you know, there are all those different excuses you can make. But the truth of the matter is um, th- there's some good pictures that I need to get out there. And I apologize for not having those out yet. And we'll get those out uh, ASAP. Um but yeah, it, it was a blast, and, and I think those are all great moments that you have there. Uh, I I was, you know, obviously it was a lot easier for them to license music to use um, during uh, for se- season two because of the success of season one, and um, and so they obviously took advantage of that. We'll talk more about it. I'd really like to do a more in depth look at Stranger Things two um, after probably after the new year is when we'll actually hit in, hit, get in on that. I don't know if we'll do like a rewatch the way we did with, with season one, um, but uh, I think we'll save that for leading into season three. Uh, but I definitely, um, I definitely liked it. I don't know. I think, I'm in the, I think I'm in the minority that I like season one better than season two, but that's not to say I didn't like season two. I, I absolutely loved it, and, and there was so much to love and so much to really break down uh, as in each episode as it progresses. So our final email comes from Jason Hunt. He says, um, hi, Steve. I'm going to get right into it. I love the Justice League. My first real introduction to superheroes was the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated cartoon series on Cartoon Network, a series that stands alongside the Clone Wars and Rebels, in my opinion. Jason, I'll give you that. And I think that both of those series, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, which one, Justice League Unlimited, of course, spun out of Justice League. Um, I love Justice League Unlimited. I, I love the story arcs of those seasons and how they kind of, and, and, and where they lead to. I love the Superman versus Dark Side moment at the end of uh, the one season of Justice League Unlimited. Um, there's some great stories throughout Justice League. They did a great job of using Justice League to continue. Um, some threads from the Superman animated series, which is great. All of that Bruce Tim stuff from the nineties into the early, you know, two thousands is just, it is head and shoulders. Some of the above, you know, all other superhero television is some of the greatest superhero television of all time. He says the DC just Jason goes on to say the DC heroes have always been my favorite superhero universe. Marvel has ruled the silver screen for the last decade or so. And while I enjoyed man of steel and Batman V Superman, there was something missing. I caught a glimpse of it with Wonder Woman, but something you have said clicked with me while in the movie theater watching Justice League. The Marvel movies are comic book movies brought to life, but DC heroes are legends. 
Cinematically, they've not been treated as such. The Nolan Batman trilogy brought the legends to ground, got them dirty, and tried to make them people like us. The problem is these characters are so much more than that, and I think Warner Brothers and Zack, Snyder's con Zack Snyder continued that trend. While not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, Justice League, I think, has started to recognize these characters for the legends they are and is beginning to treat them as such. We see Diana bringing the legends of the Amazons to light in modern times. Aquaman is seen as the ruler of the, under, of the legendary city of Atlantis. Cyborg is forged by an unknowable power from beyond the stars. Flash is a kid who got struck by lightning and now has access to the Speed Force. Batman is also more urban legend than fact in Gotham. And of course, Superman is the upright protector of Earth. The Justice League legends finally had a story that was legendary in a way. And while DC doesn't have to create movies that mimic a cinematic comic book like Marvel, they need to tell stories that are bigger than life in a way. And I think Justice League has finally turned the corner on that and is pointing us in the right direction going forward. Hopefully Warner Brothers doesn't let me down again in the future. And that's from Jason Hunt. Jason, I mostly agree with everything you said. And um, and we're going to talk about the old Justice League um, here in just a second. Uh, that, that's our emails. And, and what I want to encourage everyone to do, we are having a Christmas episode coming up soon this month and uh, or in the month of December. And what I'd love for you to do is for our Christmas episode, we did this several years back. And by several years, I mean about 10 years ago. Um, I, I'd love for you to send your geeky Christmas list in to, uh, to Geek Out Loud. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Put in the subject line, geeky Christmas list. And, uh, and we're going to, because I do have... Um, connections to Santa. Uh, we're going to read those on the air. Santa is a Goliverse listener, and um, and we're going to read those on the air and uh, and find out what your geeky Christmas list is for Christmas and beyond. And uh, so so send those in. Geek out online at gmail.com. Geek out online at gmail.com. Now I talked about giving back to the Goliverse um, because you as a podcast listening audience, have given so much to me. And I don't mean just monetarily through your support using the Amazon links and the Patreon and everything, but just through listening, through the interaction with the emails, the Guardians of the Goldiverse Facebook group, the old days of the forums, for those of you who are around then. Um, there's just been so much of this that has been a bright point in my life. And I appreciate you all so very much. And one of the ways that I want to give back is help promote anything that you may be into and you may be doing, and in some cases, it may be your very livelihood. We have a, a faithful Goliverse listener who goes by the handle Blessed Cheesemaker in the chat when he's at Mixler.com slash Goliverse as part of the Mixler Zoo crew with us. And um, and, uh, and and he calls himself Blessed Cheesemaker because that's what he does. He and his family run a dairy, and um, and they sell artisan farmstead cheeses. Check them out. Here's what you want to do. Go to CloverCreekCheese.com. CloverCreekCheese.com. Now, here's, here's the thing about, uh, about these cheeses. This is not, and look, I'm not making any money off this. I just wanted to do this to support Anthony and his family and, uh, and give you a chance to, uh, to get a hold of some Made in America, Goliverse uh, produced, you know, from, from a fellow listener of the Guardians of the Goliverse, uh, to get some cheese from them, uh, CloverCreekCheese.com. This is uh, th th this is what they do, and it's some good stuff. I want to um, I want to find a little bit about them so I can so I can read to you what what they say here on their website. Um, <clears throat> they, we seek simple, creative solutions to solve complex problems. 
holistically by using appropriate technology, both new and traditional, for balancing, for balancing optimum production at the lowest cost. We provide a clean, natural living and working environment, resulting in a sanitary and tasteful product. We daily promote the value of family unity through integrated learning of faith, work, and play. We give the animals freedom to be outdoors in fresh air and sunshine, eating tasty grass, exercising, and relaxing on green pastures. We choose natural remedies and stress-reducing practices to minimize vet-prescribed antibiotics while caring individually for each animal. We manage soil by using compost and organic compounds to reduce use of manufactured supplements. We patronize local resources to build lasting relationships with our community, and we believe that farming provides our family with a healthy and wholesome lifestyle in which to live and work in harmony with the world around us. So you can see that they're smart about how they uh, how they do with their farming practices and stuff. It, it's not oh, it's not. Look, you're not you're not talking about people who are head in the clouds. You know, hippie people. You know, so to speak. They're they're just good down to earth folks who put out a good product. Let me give you an example of some of their cheeses. Um, they've got Gouda. Their smoked Galen's, which is their own Gouda, marinated and distilled smoke. Uh, three month old, uh, three month aged mild Asiago, uh, marinated in Cabernet Sauvignon. That is their uh, winemakers select. Uh, Royer Mountain, it's a Romano matured in their cellars for over a year. Uh, Tussie Mountain is our aged uh, Emmenthaler Swiss. Um, they've got a mild cellar aged cheddar, they call it clover. They've got a bruschetta, which is basil, garlic, and dried tomato flavored cheddar. They've got the Alpha and Omega. It's their cow's milk feta cheese. Uncle Joe's is their own aged Asiago mature uh, in our cellars for over a year. Um, there's one really cool cool one here. I got to find it. Um, it's uh, they've got a great the Grateful Ched. It's our aged cheddar marinated in a barley wine beer. So they it's 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 a good some good looking cheese. Like I really want to try some of this stuff. You go to their website, clovercreekcheese.com. Help someone from help a fellow Goldiverse listener out and uh, and help their family out this Christmas by supporting their business and ordering some cheese. Uh, you can find out how to order and and how they come, um, how how the different cheeses come. Now this is a this is a quality product. So you're not gonna this is not like going and buying a bag of shredded cheese at the grocery store for two and a half bucks. Um, this is uh, this is this is good homemade worked cheese that they're doing off of their own dairy. They're not going out and buying a gallon of milk and then, you know, adding some chemicals and stuff to, to do that there. This is all happening right there on their own dairy farm. So check them out, Clover Creek Cheese, and support one of the Goldiverse's own uh, blessed cheesemaker um, when you do so. Now then, all right, here we go. Uh, random card reading time. Back during the Stranger Things expedition, um... Stephen Bennett, Team Steve, presented me with a gift of several unopened packs of Topps Batman Trading Card Series One, and um, and I'm going to keep two closed for all time as a as as in honor of Steve and the gift he gave me, and they would be prominently displayed as part of my card collection um, in appreciation to him. But you can hear it. I'm opening it now, right here on on the air with you. This pack of Batman trading cards, Series One. It's a set that I actually collected back in the day, and um, really enjoyed. Um, the gum is here. It's absolutely cracked and hardened. 
I've tried it before. I will not be trying it again. These cards had a white border with a yellow background, and on the yellow background, you had uh, the Batman uh, logo, and then the and then the story of what was happening on the front of the card. The stickers had different uh, pictures of the Joker and Batman and stuff. So here's a sticker, and now we get to into the cards themselves. And I'm just going to draw one here. Um, Slashing Assault. This has two pictures on it. It's uh, the Bob the Goon. Oh, the top picture is Bob the Goon coming at Batman with a knife, and then the bottom picture is Batman stopping said knife um, as Bob slashes downward. Oh, and it's got a big old Batman symbol on the back. And not a lot to read. It's card number 88 in the series. Slashing Assault with lightning-fast movements. Martial arts-trained Batman manages to deflect Bob's dagger assault. And that is uh, continued on card 89, photographed by Vicky Vale. Vic, 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 Vicky Vale. That's our random card reading here in this episode. And we thank Steve Bennett for the gift. I really do. I appreciate it. Man, I loved collecting these cards. And I... I always only lacked one, and since then, so many of you have been so kind to uh, to help me fill in a lot of gaps in some of my older card collections and that sort of thing. And I just recently, as I got back from Thanksgiving uh, holidays with the family, um, I received a, uh, a a box um, in the mail from uh, from a listener, and I'm so sorry. I don't have the card in front of me right now. Gosh, I'm a terrible individual. Um, let me see if I can remember her handle on the Twitter. I don't know if this is her, and I don't want to say that it's her if it's not her. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I can't. Anyhow, I you know what I'll do? I'll take a break in a moment, and I'm going to go get the card and read it, and uh, because I, I want to give thanks where thanks is due, because it was a really thoughtful gift, and I greatly, greatly appreciated it. It meant it meant the world to me. Anytime someone goes out of their way, because what am I? I'm nothing. But anyhow, uh, you know I love trading cards. You know I love collecting trading cards, and I love tops. And uh, and you want to go right now to tops.com. That's tops.com. T o p p s. dot com, and check out what's going on. With them, Top started producing cards when they were putting baseball cards in with their gum um, back in 1950. Since then, they've moved past baseball into all kinds of other things. Now, baseball is still the flagship of Tops, but right now they're doing a countdown to episode eight. One card, new card every day for 24 hours only. And uh, right now you can shop and get that one card at Tops.com. Uh, it, they're limited availability. They're, they're there until they run out. There's a print, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a run on how many prints there are. And, um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that there's some that are already out of stock, like card number one, Ray encounters Luke Skywalker. Um, and, uh, there's a puzzle on the back of these cards. You want to collect them. And, uh, Canto Bite Casino Patrons is the second one with someone who looks like she stepped right out of Doctor Who. Um, Kylo Ren's TIE Silencers, card number three, out of stock right now. Uh, they did 579 cards uh, on those. Um, and uh, out of stock as well is card number four, the Canto Bite Police Collect Information. Uh, card number five is out of stock. It's a Captain Phasma card. 
card number six out of stock. It's first order enforcer, Kylo Ren, and now we're at card number seven, Countdown to Star Wars, The Last Jedi Resistance pilot, Kai Thrinali. Uh, he looks a little bit like L.O. Asti, a little bit older, though, uh, a little bit lighter in color than old L.O. was, and, um, and that's card number seven. These have the classic Star Wars, vintage Star Wars card borders. Check them out right now at tops.com. And also check out the uh, Star Wars Masterworks card trading set. This is a high-end card trading set for the high-end collector. And there are some amazing cards to chase and trade with Star Wars Masterworks. Now, if physical cards aren't your thing, you don't have room, then that's where the Star Wars Card Trader app comes in handy. The Star Wars Card Trader app features thousands of cards from all across the Star Wars saga. You can have the entire galaxy in the palm of your hand trade and collect uh, with with friends from all over the world. You can download the Star Wars Card Trader app now in the uh, App Store on iOS devices or on Google Play for your Android devices. That's Tops. Rediscover Tops, everybody, and rediscover the joy of collecting. Let's play a little bit of this action, huh? Let's see what we got here. Is it going to play anything at all? Come on now. Don't hurt me. There we go, yes! We're going to talk a little Justice League, but first I want you to listen to a little Super Friends. There are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman! Wonder Woman! Batman! Aquaman And those three junior super friends Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog Their mission, to fight injustice To right that which is wrong And to serve all mankind I mean, come on. Here we go. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe. Here in this uh, we're just well, we're rolling through all the Super Friends intros because it's great. I love this old Super Friends theme. Superman. Superman. I'm Casey Casey. That's who voiced Robin. Wonder Woman. Great hero. Aquaman. Aquaman. And the Wonder Twins, Sand and Gina. Yeah, the Wonder Twins. Old Space Monkey Gleek. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The Super Friends. Here we go. This is the best one, though. Banded together from remote galaxies are 13 of the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Doom. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. Only one group dares to challenge this intergalactic threat. The Super Friends.
Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is the challenge of the Super Friends. I mean, come on, it doesn't get much better than that. In in the as far as uh, as far as as far as cartoon intros go, I love that old challenge of the Super Friends cartoon intro. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to get too much into my history with these characters and everything. It's been well documented on the show how much I love Superman. Superman has been my favorite superhero for years and years and years. Very close second being the Incredible Hulk, and the reason being is because those were probably the first two superheroes I was really introduced to in a big bad way. The Incredible Hulk through the old television show, and of course Superman through uh, Superman the movie and Superman 2, especially back in the day, which we recorded off of ABC uh, when I was a child. And, and so I just wore those videotapes out watching those movies and loved that TV show as a kid. And um, and so those are the the heroes that I kind of really fell in love with. And in my comic book collecting, I ended up being more of a Marvel person as uh, as I got into comics because the first Superman comic I ever picked up featured him kissing Wonder Woman at the end, and that made me mad. And as a good geek, I just absolutely did not give it a chance and just said, I'm done with DC. Um, it wouldn't be until 1996, I believe, with, uh, with Grant Morrison's Justice League run when I saw uh, the cover of Justice League number one in, in the comic shop right down um, from, uh, from where I was working in college at the time. Maybe it was 97. And, um, and on that cover, uh, yeah, 97, and on that cover was Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, The Flash, Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunter. Now, I wasn't familiar with Martian Manhunter because I wasn't a DC guy at that point. But this was, I looked at that and I'm like, this is the Super Friends of the 90s. And, and I had to pick it up. And I was there from issue one of that particular run of JLA. And right on through for, for years with that, especially Grant Morrison's run was just fantastic. Um, and it became a gateway for me into the rest of the DC universe. Now, I had issues here and there. Everyone had the death of Superman and, and that sort of thing. But this set me on a course to find out who is this Wally West person? Who is this Kyle Rayner person? That was the Flash and Green Lantern at the time, respectively. Um, why does Aquaman have a weird hook for a hand or a harpoon for a hand um <clears throat> who is this martian manhunter guy and i really immersed myself into the dc universe as a whole to begin to get to know all of these characters and everything and, and i really did that and it was then that i i kind of decided you know and maybe it's just the longevity that these characters have had maybe it's the fact that superman you know it has been a a major part of pop culture to the point that you say Superman and even people who don't like comics and don't like superheroes have never read a comic book in their life. Know when you say Superman, what and who Superman is. He is that ingrained in pop culture society. Batman has become that way. Uh, Wonder Woman is, is getting there and, and thanks to Linda Carter, it was kind of a big deal, but these characters uh, and even as into the forties, um, with the Superman television show, the the Max Fleischer cartoons before that, the various movie serials uh, after the Max Fleischer cartoon, 
into even the filmation era of cartoons with super, the Adventures of Superman and Superboy and Aquaman was big. And that's the thing. Aquaman was someone they chose. They're like, here's someone. We're going to do an Aquaman cartoon. And this is way back in the day. And so Aquaman becomes a part of this DC pantheon that when Super Friends does come around, he's part of the Super Friends. And, and I think rightfully so. Um, you know, and, and, as, and as that show progressed, it opened up the door to people like Firestorm and Cyborg. For those of us who were kids who weren't always reading comics, but we were always watching cartoons, it was a fantastic gateway. And that's something that, unfortunately, Marvel didn't really have. They had Spider-Man and his amazing friends. They had the Incredible Hulk cartoon back in the day. But it, in my area, those things would get preempted a lot for other uh, stuff that was going on locally, which always really bugged me because I wanted to watch so badly Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends and especially that Incredible Hulk cartoon uh, that was on in the early 80s. And they were great cartoons. Um, but there was something about what was going on with Justice League and, and the Super Friends and stuff. And so when I saw and having been exposed constantly to the Super Friends as a kid on Saturday mornings, when I saw that JLA cover, I'm like, I'm in. And that's when I really began to get immersed into the DC universe and get into the history of all these characters and, and why there were new things. And that's the thing that, that's another thing that, that DC did very well um, during the 90s is, is I feel like they transitioned the, some of these characters. They, they were able to pass the torch onto new characters under the, in the same mantle. In other words, uh, Wally West was able to step in as the Flash in the absence of Barry Allen after Crisis on Infinite Earths and do so almost seamlessly and do so very well. Same thing with Kyle Rayner after the death of Hal Jordan. Um, he and, and they really added something to his character after what Jordan did as Parallax. They really added something to Kyle's character as being the only Green Lantern in the universe. And, and, his, and, and his, he was an artist, and so... You know, he was always a little bit more creative with his uh, his his light creations and everything, his ring creations. But he also had um, an insecurity about him that really kind of you, you you latched onto the character a little bit more. But it was never a thing that brought the characters down. You know, that there there's something that began to happen then around 2000 2001, where uh, comic writers decided that all these characters need to be more relatable. And in, and in trying to make every single character more relatable, they brought the heroes down to earth a little too much and made them too flawed, and they made the villains too sympathetic. So that suddenly there was a flip where the villains were becoming the heroes and the heroes were becoming the villains, all in the name of telling interesting stories, but also really kind of screwing some things up. Um, and, and I, wow, I've really gone off on a tangent here about that that I didn't mean to go off on. But I, I say all that to say that when the rumblings of a Justice League movie first started, literally 10 years ago, you can go back to uh, to the early episodes of Geek Out Loud, and we were following Justice League movie rumors. Now, at the time, it was going to be a young cast, and it was not going to be Brandon Routh, it was, and it wasn't going to be Christian Bell as Batman, it wasn't going to be Brandon Routh as Superman, they are going to have a completely different cast. And I had problems with that based on their logic for not allowing Bruce Wayne onto Smallville. But nonetheless... Um, we, you know, we were, we were in that era and there were, and these rumors were just flying willy nilly left and right. And the idea of seeing a justice league movie was just so enticing and so amazing. It was something you never thought would be able to be done. It just seemed to be too big. It seemed to be too, too high concept, too much of a pipe dream. 
especially considering in 2007, you know, we were on the heels of a 2005 Batman Begins movie that was really good. In 2008, 2007, 2008, as we were entering 2008, we were entering into a time where we were going to see, and we'd seen the revival of the superhero movies thanks to Spider-Man, thanks to the X-Men, um, but it was still starting to be hit and miss. And it's a, it was a really weird time. And that's one of those things I've talked about before. I really want to go back and talk about superhero movies from circa 1999, 2002, 2007, 2008, and just track that evolution and really talk about what was out there because there was a lot of good stuff, but you could already see the cracks forming and what these studios were trying to do to some of these superheroes. So when Iron Man comes along, Iron Man was a game changer for superhero movies. Um, and that coda, that, that post credit sequence at the end of Iron Man was a game changer for what we thought superhero movies could be. And suddenly the Marvel Studios found themselves in a position to connect these characters in a way that had never been attempted before on screen. Now, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever have mentions of Superman and Metropolis, respectively. Uh, when 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 Dick Grayson is going to get on his motorcycle and leave Bruce's manor, he says, Bruce says, well, you won't make it to Metropolis on that much gas. You know, you can't even make it to Metropolis on that. Or he says, the circus must be to Metropolis by now, something like that. And then in Batman and Robin, Batman says, this is why Superman works alone. So there was all, there, there was that kind of, oh my gosh, they mentioned him. You know, there was that. But then with the Incredible Hulk, Tony Stark shows up at the end of the movie. With uh, then Iron Man 2, we're starting to work on getting getting these characters lined up in a, in a direction to begin to all come together. And, and that brings in Thor and then Captain America. And, and, and Captain America has that cosmic cube, which we saw at the very end of Thor. And so now it really is all tying together and S.H.I.E.L.D. is all there. And, and then that led right into that first Avengers movie, which was just phenomenal. And it was something that, you know, to this day, when I go back and watch, I'm like, this is really, you know, if Iron Man was a game changer, this is the movie that learned to play that game. And, and did it very well. Meanwhile, it, 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 and it's always perplexed me that Warner Brothers and DC weren't able to really get something going. Nolan was finishing up his trilogy of Batman movies, which, you know, to be honest, really good stuff. I love Batman Begins. I think The Dark Knight is a brilliant superhero movie, is a brilliant Batman movie. Um, I don't like the last... 10 to 15 minutes because for me, the story that I felt like should be told is, is to progress on into the Harvey Dent thing and, and play around with that. But I didn't tell the story. I wasn't the creator. Christopher Nolan was. And what they did beyond that was they tied everything back into Batman Begins with the League of Assassins. Here comes Bane. Did someone say Bane? Darth Vader breathing dog. Did someone say my name? Perhaps he's wondering why you'd shoot a man before throwing him out of the plane, Darth Vader breathing, Darth Vader breathing. But, um... <laughs> Strawberries are a brilliant source of fiber. Um, but what... 
but we knew that Nolan wasn't going to take, and we knew Christian Bell wasn't going to do this thing where they get into a shared universe. And it was around that time with those Batman movies that people begin to kind of crap on Robin, you know, and and it, those filmmakers especially like oh, I'll never do Robin. Well, you won't see Robin in these movies. Christian Bale, I tell you, I wouldn't do it if I had to do Robin. When at the end of the day, it's like, but that's a key component, you know, and and we've still kind of and so there was these, there were these seeds of a mindset that were planted. And again, if you go back to that turn of the century stuff around ninety nine, two thousand into two thousand one and two, trying to take these heroes and and as Jason said in his email, make them more grounded, make them more relatable, and in some instances, it made them unlikable. And turn around and made the villains more relatable, which made them more like. I mean, you go back to Smallville. How much did we all love Lex Luthor? You know, and even once he kind of goes full evil, it's like, well, you know, still kind of rooting for him, you know, kind of thing. But so, so it was. And and I'm not going to turn this on into a referendum on Man of Steel. I did rewatch Man of Steel the other week, and it was the first time I'd seen it in years. And my number one criticism continues to be the camera work, the the shaky camera. Um, you know, handheld is one thing. Intentionally shaking and moving the camera around is something completely different. And and I feel like as I'm watching it, they were intentionally shaking and moving the camera around. Um, and 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 that's my that continues to be my number one complaint with that movie. I love Krypton. I love Jor El. I love the casting of that movie. I like the story of that movie. I love Henry Cavill as Superman. And um. And, and, you know, the, all the destruction and stuff at the end was like, was it too much? I don't know. Maybe for some it was. For me, I'm just like, wow, that's amazing that they're getting away with this. And, and Superman saved the world. Superman literally, when he revealed himself to the world, he saved the world. Now, was Metropolis in ruin? Yes. But he saved the world. And, and the stuff with Zod was, you know, their battle was pretty epic. I wish the camera would have held steady for most of it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the character of Clark was a little too unsure for my liking, and I do have issues with Jonathan Kent stuff, but it's nothing that takes away from the story for me, my enjoyment of the story as a whole. Um, and, and I want to make that clear, that my issues of, of re-watching that movie are more about the the filmmaking itself, not the story. Uh, I do have issues with the characterization, but it's not issues that's going to cause me to to dump on the movie as a whole. Batman v Superman comes along, and we keep forgetting about Suicide Squad. And I liked Suicide Squad when I saw it, but get this, I've not revisited it since I saw it in the movie theater. So that kind of tells me that as much as I liked it when I saw it, I haven't liked it enough to go revisit it. So, you know, so that tells you something, or that tells me something about my my experience with that film. Batman v Superman is one of those things that should have been the greatest thing ever. And, and you can talk about, well, your expectations were too high, or you don't get what they, what they were going for, or whatever the case may be. Um, but at the end of the day, I'll tell you this, that the world's finest, a Batman Superman team up better than greater than Batman Superman fighting. Now, and I'm going to talk about Frank Miller's The Dark Knight in a minute as as we talk about Affleck's Batman in the Justice League and and kind of the the direction I feel like Batman needs to go in in these movies from here on out. Um but 
they took their inspiration and they said from the get-go, we're taking our inspiration from the treatment of the Dark Knight Returns with Batman and Superman, the way that they would fight. I I don't... I Batman, and, I understand they're going to fight a little bit to start. And I'm, and I'm completely okay with why they stopped fighting. The whole utterance of the name Martha. Completely fine with all that. Where people make fun of it, I get it. I understand it. It's okay. And I've talked about that on the show before. Um, the, there was so much in that movie that it was a little bloated in what they were trying to do. And, and it fell flat. For not just me, for a lot of people. And and that doesn't make me right. And if you like it, it doesn't make you wrong for liking it. And I and I'll, and that's the other thing I want to make clear. Look, safe place to geek out does not mean that I can't be critical of the things of which I'm critical. It just means that I don't dislike you because we disagree. Uh, to me, it's a stupid world we live in when we can't, say, have different opinions on something and not still be friends. That's, that's ridiculous. That's dumb. And, and, and that's what a safe place to geek out is, that if you like Batman v Superman, I'm willing to talk to you about why I don't and why you do and, and talk about the stuff that I do like in it. The big thing about Batman v Superman to me is, is they went to great lengths to show how split the world was on Superman, and they leaned more into the negative. The only positive stuff we saw was people Superman had actually saved, and, and, and then that was kind of weird. Those sequences were kind of strange with him, you know, people reaching out to touch him and people looking up off their roofs while he stands there, you know, floats over. And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to do the godlike imagery and everything, and, and he's an alien out of place and all this stuff. we got to stop that because the essence of Superman is what he says at the end of Man of Steel. I grew up in Kansas. I'm, I'm American. I'm American. I, I want to, you know, I'm here to help. And, and, and in an effort to try, and, and the, I don't know, I don't want to relitigate those movies. I'm trying to set up where I'm at with Justice League. And then Wonder Woman comes along, and Jason said this great, that there was, it was great. And it was like, we're, we're, we've righted this ship. We're on the right track now. And he says there was a little something missing. I still maintain, I don't know that I like that Snyder style of filming and, and all that stuff. And that's just... And look, again, that's a filmmaking thing. It's not a story thing. It's not a characterization thing. And, and that's just my personal taste, and that's how personal tastes go. Wonder Woman was fantastic. There is nothing, there has been very little as good in superhero movies as the No Man's Land scene. When she comes climbing out of that foxhole and walks across there dodging bullets, deflecting bullets, leading the charge to take back that town... I mean that is fantastic stuff. And and it was and it was glorious. And here's the thing, the studio wanted to remove that. I read an article where Patty Jenkins had to fight to keep that in and I'm thinking, what are they thinking? Here's your here's your disconnect with some of these movies. So that brings us into Justice League. And I'm going to shut up, you know, about all this other stuff. I'm not trying to re- relitigate anything. I'm just going to talk a little Justice League here because you need to know from the outset I like Justice League. I've seen it twice now, and I really enjoyed it. To me, it was like reading a comic book on screen, and that's what I—that's all I want from these superhero movies. I don't need, you know, I, I don't need the, you know, the depth of morality examined necessarily, and I don't need all the other, you know, the stuff. We sometimes we apply things 
to these characters a little too loftily, and I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I'll begin to speak about Superman in very, uh, <laughs> very reverential tones that I don't know that the character needs to have applied to him necessarily when he's a superhero. There's a great uh, video I saw today on YouTube about uh, the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons, and I wish I could remember exactly what it was because it was fantastic. Um, the, 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 the YouTuber actually used footage from the Fleischer cartoons to show the, the, how great the, um, uh, the, uh, the animation was and everything. And, and, and the goal, it's called Superman, the golden age of animation. And in doing this video, the YouTuber talks about not only the animation and how beautiful it was, but he gets into the character and how the, the Max Fleischer shorts really showed us all we needed to know about the character um, and, and, and how anyone could come away knowing that character just from watching those Max Fleischer cartoons, those old classic cartoons. And they really are pretty, especially when you get a good high definition, you know, some of the, some of the, re, uh, the reworked, um, versions of these care of these cartoons where the colors just pop a little more and, 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 and they did rotoscoping technology that caused the animation to be very smooth and, and really, really good. And it's just, it is, it, they are beautiful to look at, but he really gets into the character of Superman as the show goes on or as the, as the video goes on. And he, and he makes some great points about the character of Superman. There's a little bit of snark in there that doesn't necessarily need to be. But, you know, I, I think that we've, we've lost some of that in, in the DC universe in an effort to try to make him more real. I've lost my point in trying to talk about this stuff. But, oh, because it's just a comic book on screen, and I really enjoyed that. I have one friend who said it was just too much fighting. It's like, well, we're fighting. Okay, well, we're done. Now let's fight again. Okay, let's fight again. And I'm like, okay, yeah, and? I really dug that. Um I, there was so much good about this movie to me that the, that the, what was negative, you know, for the first time, I mean, Wonder Woman started it, this continues it, that the, the, the good completely outweighed the bad for me in this movie. Um, right, out, right out of the gate, I want, there's a lot of discussion about the poor box office performance. At Box Office Mojo right now, it, it, as of the 28th of November, the domestic total intake is one hundred seventy-six thousand, or one hundred seventy-six million nine hundred sixty-six thousand. So right at one hundred seventy-seven million dollars um, domestically, it's made, and it's been out what two weeks now. Um, add that to the foreign box office of three hundred eleven million, and you're looking at just a little under five hundred million. It's going to after this weekend, the movie will definitely reach half a billion dollars. Um, it had a $93 million opening weekend. I know they were hoping for a $100 million opening weekend. Um, and so, you know, it, it's okay. You know, it's, it's lackluster as far as what people expect from a big movie like this. And rightfully so. At this point with a movie like this, you'd hope that domestically we'd be pushing at the very least 300 million, uh, domestically, um, you know, especially being, you know, last weekend being the holiday weekend, people had a chance to go see it again and that sort of thing. And you would really hope as a filmmaker, I would imagine that you'd, you'd hit that, 
that $300 million mark by now domestically. Um, unfortunately, it has not done so. I don't know if it's going to get much past the $600 million mark. It could. Um, but that seems to be a big marker for a lot of people as, wow, this is kind of a not, a, not really great. Um, there's a lot of theories to that. You know, some people say it's the timing, the time of year that it's being released is just awkward. And then I say, but Thor, but Thor Ragnarok. And that comes into the argument of goodwill that has been built up. Because the more I chew on Thor Ragnarok, the more I am a little disappointed in how heavily they leaned into the comedy in that movie. Love the movie overall. Again, the positives of that movie really outweigh the negatives. I love the score of that movie. I was talking to Scott Rifen again, and, and as much as I love Led Zeppelin, the Immigrant Song, and I felt like the Immigrant Song was used perfectly in the movie, it was also not something they had done in previous movies, so it felt out of place. And, and, and I feel like that it's a lesson learned from Guardians of the Galaxy that movies shouldn't learn from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and, and I feel like the comedy is something that was learned from Guardians of the Galaxy that shouldn't necessarily be learned from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but Marvel has, in 10 years, built up a lot of goodwill with critics and with moviegoers. And so the box office reflects that. Um, DC has not built up that goodwill. And like, love it or hate it, you know? And, I, and that's not... And, and, and it's probably because of people like me who hate shaky cam. I don't know. But they have not built up the goodwill that Marvel has built up, even with Marvel's missteps through the years. Um, that, that people are still speaking positively and excited about these movies. So it could be the timing, but I look at Thor and I say, I don't know. I just think people... This is kind of like, to me, when you have a team in football that has been penalized a lot throughout the season. And I mean like excessively penalized because they make excessively bad decisions and continue to get penalized. Whether it's stupid stuff like offsides and false starts or personal fouls or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it seems like every game they're getting penalized 50, 60 yards worth of penalties. The refs are going to be more prone to be critical on holding calls and that sort of thing for that team. And I think it's done the same thing with the DC movies that, that people look at him and say, mm, I don't know. So the minute a critic speaks up and says, well, this just, this just isn't a very good movie. This is not good superhero fodder considering what we've got before. People are like, oh, well, yeah, they're probably not because, you know, and so there's, I, I feel like people are going in with certain blinders on critics are going in with certain blinders on. And therefore the moviegoers who listen to critics are, but then stand, average moviegoers are a little bit burned there. I think it's more about some Batman v Superman fallout now, Batman v Superman had a very good box office. You can't argue the box office necessarily, Batman v particularly that opening weekend. But critically, it just was not well received. I know there are people who love it, and you're not wrong for loving it. I want you to understand something. I love Superman for the quest for peace. You're not wrong for loving Batman v Superman. But it's the, it's the Phantom Menace effect. There were so many people shouting and yelling about how bad the Phantom Menace was that people began to believe by and large that Phantom Menace is not good. And they, and they continue to crap on the Phantom Menace. And, and I can't tell you how many stories there have been of people saying, you know what, I watched Phantom Menace, you know, 10, 15 years down the road with my son, with my daughter. And I love this. This movie is a good movie. It's not my favorite, but 
I cannot crap on this movie anymore the way I used to. Maybe Batman v Superman will have that kind of reaction down the road. I, I tend to think not, but I could be wrong. You know, but I'm telling you, I think this is due to some some fallout. So we have to so I'm addressing that right out of the gate to say, don't let the poor box office and don't let what critics are saying influence you into not seeing this movie if you haven't seen it. Don't let your experience with Zack Snyder driven DC movies if you haven't liked them previously, don't let that influence you going into this movie. Go see this movie. And, and, and I think you'll come away very pleasantly surprised with the product you get because every single one of our characters are very likable in this film. Every single one of them. And it, it, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, Cyborg, Flash, Superman, they're all likable in their own way. And, uh, and, and, and I'll talk about that. Uh, the humor in this movie does feel forced in some instances, and it's very Joss Whedon forced, uh, a la Avengers Age of Ultron. If you watch Avengers Age of Ultron, there are jokes sometimes that just they don't need to be there. You know, it's like everything doesn't have to be a quippy joke. And sometimes in this movie, there's a little bit much of that. It's not overly done, but there are moments where jokes don't necessarily need to be that they are. For example... When Superman comes back to life and he grabs Batman, it is just an awesome moment to me when Superman, who's still a little bit out of his mind, still kind of getting his bearings straight from coming back to life, has Batman lifted up by the throat and he says, tell me, do you bleed? You know, when it's all said and done, when Superman gets away, when they bring out Lois and Superman takes Lois and they leave, um, Batman's laying on the ground and he's like, something's definitely bleeding, you know? Funny, yes. Needed, I don't think so. I don't think you needed to lean too much into humor in that moment. Um, it, it's little things like that here and there. And, and again, I'm not trying to be overly critical. I'm saying that I felt like there were moments, and this is just like what happened in Age of Ultron, in a, with, a, in a, with a desire to make sure that it's palatable and it's funny, we overdid it a little bit. Um, Superman was fantastic. Superman was absolutely fantastic. They should have shown, I've said already, they should have shown more love for him in Batman v Superman so that that funeral scene at the end didn't seem so out of place. The way they opened this film with the, with the kids asking Superman questions for their podcast was, and his patience with them and a little thing like you see it winds like a river as he's, just, as he's explaining why that symbol means hope, that the river's always pressing and moving towards something, you know? Um, that, oh, I love that moment. It was a great, brilliant moment. And, you know, I kind of, I wonder if his answer about what's your favorite thing about Earth is Lois, or if it's, I would have loved, the, the only thing I would have loved is for him to look, smile, and look back at those kids on that phone and say, the people, humanity, you know, and then fly off. But it, it didn't, and that's fine. It's left up to interpretation of what he would have said. I think most people assume he's thinking about Lois, and that's absolutely okay. I think Superman was fantastic in this movie um, from from the time that he's in the cornfield talking to Lois right on to the end of the movie. Absolutely, absolutely thought Superman was fantastic. I like the characterization generally of everyone in the, uh, in, in the cast. The Flash, look, he's no Grant Gustin. And I, Ezra Miller, I believe, is the kid's name who plays him, and I, and I could be dead wrong there. Um I don't have the IMD pulled up, and I can't IMDb, and I, I can't remember his name. He's no Grant Gustin, but that's something I have to get over because I love Grant Gustin's Flash. I love what that show 
has done um, with those characters all the way around, and in the Flash especially. So I just have to deal with that. That's something I've got to get over, and 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 get into this new new guy. Now I did hear that the Flash is meant to be Barry's meant to be autistic, uh, you know, on the spectrum in some way in this movie. I don't get that. Truth be told. And I've seen some articles where people are kind of complaining about this isn't really autism and that sort of thing. And I'm not an expert in, in that field, and I don't know enough about it. I've not researched enough about it um, to speak with any authority on it. And and so I don't want to speak out of turn. But I never read that in that character. What I did read was more me being a super uber geek and saying the Speed Force has revved everything about this kid up. And so his mind works so fast; it's on overload almost. Um, and uh, and so that's what it is because, truth be told, I don't get brunch either. You know, brunch is weird. If you if you eat breakfast, you're not going to have anything for brunch, and if you eat brunch, you're not going to want any lunch, and your whole day is thrown off by having brunch. And it, and it sounds trendy, and it sounds all quaint and cute, but I mean. Is not brunch just breakfast? You're just having it kind of late? And that's fine. That's fine. Call it brunch. That's fine. That's fine. But why is it trendy? See, I don't get it. I'm with Barry on that. I totally get it. But I did like him. And I and 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 Barry <laughs> Barry gave us one of the funniest moments in any superhero movie ever. When they're fighting Superman there at the memorial, the statue or whatever the, that's busted up, and he's running up those steps as, as Superman's holding off all of the Justice League, and everything goes, of course, into super speed slow motion. And Barry's going to try to flank Superman. And you just see Superman look at Barry like out of the corner of his eye, just and the and the look on Barry's face, like oh my, like he's just so scared and shocked and. And they cut, it's it's a perfect cut back and forth to that. I loved it. I laughed out loud both times that I saw that moment. It makes me laugh. Just the look on Barry's face was perfect. It was, it was a great, funny moment that I think worked really well in this intense moment. That was, it was the only comic relief that was really needed in that entire uh, sequence. You know, again, take out that cheesy line from Batman and everything. Um Cyborg was a pleasant surprise to me. I need him to have a bit more swagger in future movies. Uh, when we spend time with him, you know, as he comes more into his power. There at the end when he's laughing about not being able to feel his toes and he does or his toes are tingling and he doesn't understand even how the physics of that work and he's just kind of chuckling about it and laughing with Superman. I, I need more, not necessarily happy, laughy Cyborg, but Cyborg with a little confidence and swagger and, and kind of accepting where he's at in his place in life. And that sort of thing. I don't want a brooding, always worried about the monster I've been turned into or the monster my dad is for turning me into this cyborg. Um, you know, it's good to see them together at the end of the movie, smiling, and he's reworking his armor and everything. I, I think that a cyborg with a little more swagger is going to be good in the future. Uh, Aquaman was the standout for me in this movie in, in a lot of ways. His personality was great. Um, my man. Um, there, the the scene of him sitting on the lasso of truth and just kind of really spilling his guts out. Uh, it seems like there was something cut from the film because he does mention, we don't even know who this guy's playing for. He points to Aquaman or to Cyborg. You know, we don't know whose side this guy's on. 
But in the battle, you know, when Cyborg grabs him, says the ride's not over yet, my man, you know, it, it, it seems like he's kind of gotten over that. Uh, so I don't know if there was a conversation that was cut that they had, which is fine. It's not something you need to have there. Um, his, he's kind of rebels in battle. I like that. You find out that, you know, he is, um, though he, though we know he's the rightful ruler of Atlantis, that he's kind of, uh, put that off. He doesn't necessarily want that. Um, just in the conversation he has with, uh, Marina there, I think that's her name, uh, in Atlantis after Steppenwolf steals the, steals the mother box. Um, and uh, and so you get you get what you need to get about this character in those scenes, but then you he, he just was real sin, oh, dressed like a bat. I dig it, you know. And, and to know that that's a callback to what he was talking to Bruce about on the shore. I I, I really liked Aquaman. I thought they it, they showed his powers real well. Um, I don't like that he listens to the tide, not fish. I like telepathically communicating with fish better than I like feeling the tides. And, and carrying on the tide. Go ahead and talk. It's okay. The thing is, is it's not cheesy that Aquaman talks to fish. Okay? It's not cheesy that he can control undersea creatures. That's not cheesy at all. In fact, it's a cool thing, and especially if we're going to have an Aquaman movie where he's in the ocean fighting Black Manta, and he can call these creatures to his aid in some way, it's very cool. So... I, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed they went down that road, but it, it's nothing that ruins the movie for me. Uh, the Wonder Woman stuff was really well done. Uh, she becomes the heart of this team in a lot of ways. Her conversation with Cyborg really reveals to us and lets us in on what's been going on with her for nearly 100 years since World War I. Um, she has a gentle touch that is needed for all these people. The scene, you know, in, in another example of comedy that didn't need to be there uh, and it just really wasn't funny, is when Barry trips and lands on her, or he tries to save her, and he lands on her, and he, like, winds up right in her cleavage and then pops up real fast. You know, it gets a laugh, but I'm like, you can do without that. You know? Um, and uh, his reaction is the one that's funny. Her reaction is like, I don't care what just happened. We're in fight right now. This, these kind of things go on, and that's fine. Uh, but overall, I really loved I love the scene of her stopping the terrorist. Um, we got to see the lasso work. We got to see all of her powers and, you know, at play in that scene. Um, and, and we got to see her lead, uh, and, 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 and step up in, in some really cool ways. And I like, I liked her, I like her chemistry with Bruce in the movie. Um, I, I thought it was really well done. I, I really liked the Diana stuff. Um, I'm going to say this and, and, and I mentioned it earlier with the Frank Miller, Somehow we need to reclaim Batman from what Frank Miller did in The Dark Knight back in the 80s um, and, and what went on beyond that. Batman has been everything from the dark brooding character who is totally cut off from everybody and doesn't want friends, and you know, and, and, but yet he has this family that, uh, of Robin and Batgirl and Batwoman and, and Dick Grayson and Nightwing and all these people that he absolutely goes nuts over and though he tries to keep them at arm's length, still cares. You know, we, we've gone, through, we've been the greatest detective meaning that he always thinks seven, 800 steps ahead of everyone else. And he's the smartest guy in the room, no matter what. And, you know, it's almost like Batman has become super powered, even though everyone always says, well, Batman has no superpowers. Well, some of the stuff you read in the comics, it really kind of seems like he does. Um, 
we we've we've got to go back to a little bit of whimsy and adventure with Batman. In my opinion, again, this is my opinion, and I know I'm treading on sacred ground here because I know Batman fanatics are really you know Batman fans are just as um uh of you know passionate as as anyone else um but you know i i i'm not saying go back to 66 batman 66 batman has its place but i am saying they took a lot of it, it, i say all that to say they took a lot of good steps in this movie to to go that way you know bruce smiled bruce had an understanding of himself when he's talking to alfred about you know superman's greatest strength was his humanity you know um and that you know that he can't lead the team the way that clark could and that the world needs superman but the team needs clark that he saw something now granted i don't know where he ever saw this in clark you know that's again that's one of the flaws of batman v superman is you never got to see those two really come to terms with one another before clark died and that's what's unfortunate about that movie is we never truly got to see the world's finest. You know, to me, you open up the movie with the Batman v Superman stuff and they come to terms with one another to stop Luther at the end. And there is that respect and they're able to deal with one another. But anyhow, that's neither here nor there. Again, I don't need to relitigate Batman v Superman, uh, pun intended. Um, but I, I think with his confidence and his, he seemed a little bit more at peace with himself. There wasn't the inner turmoil that's always there. And he made jokes here and there and not inappropriate times, not that something's definitely bleeding, but uh, when Superman um, is like, he says something to him during the big final battle about, um, you're glad to see me, even though you don't like me. And Bruce is like, I don't not like, you know, like it was this thing of like this awkward, this fun, awkward moment. And, and, and Affleck pulled it off very well. I like the voice changer on Batman. I like the design of Batman. The opening scene of him whipping around on the building and everything was really good to get that, uh, to get the, to get the burglar that he, that he stops and then just basically lets go. Um, when it's all said and done, uh, it seemed like, um, you know, I like his relationship with Alfred. Um, there were steps taken to come back to that. Bruce in the Nolan trilogy, particularly Batman Begins, I loved his relationship with Alfred in Batman Begins. There was some humor there, and even in Bat, and even the Dark Knight, there was humor between those two. And Batman in the Dark Knight Rises, man, I don't know, it was just too much. He sends Alfred away, and they fall apart. And I, I was not a fan of that, but, but. We, we kind of built off of what we'd seen in those movies and those first two movies, particularly with this. And I think we need more of that. I think we need, you know what? I tell you, Batman, the animated series, Batman continues to be in a lot of ways, the standout Batman. He's dark, it's noir, but um, it, it's kid friendly at the end of the day. And maybe that's what I'm asking for. Maybe. And, and I would say this to Marvel as well. Quit making superhero movies for 40 year old men. And I say that as a 40-year-old man. Quit making superheroes for grown-ups. Quit making superhero movies for, for, for fans and start making them for kids. That doesn't mean you have to dumb them down. It just means you, I
around Superman the movie. I don't know. I just I, I I probably shouldn't have said that. That's probably a wrong statement for me to make because I'm not slagging this movie. I love it, and 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 I said all that to say I really like Batman in this movie. I really did. Um, Superman's resurrection. I know we'll never get the reign of Superman. Um, from by the way, it's not Marina. It's Mara. I saw that in the chat. Thank you, Bianca, for. For, for correcting me there. I really appreciate it. Um, Bianca also says, I still want to see Wonder Woman fly. She kind of does in this movie. She kind of does. I thought it was great. Um, one thing I didn't like, Bianca says, Batman's look of glee when Superman shows up in the final fight. It's weird. See, I like that because it's like, yes, we're going to win. You know, it's kind of like, he is hope. He's And it's hard not to have hope when Superman shows up. Uh, and what a great way to show up. The cheesy line that was delivered perfectly by Cavill. I like truth. I'm a fan of justice, too, or something like that. I forget the exact quote, but basically, you know, Superman fights for truth, justice, in the American way. And um, and I really dug that. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it, it, it was good stuff. Um, Batman smiling, though. I love Batman. See, Batman can smile every now and again. I think it's okay for Batman to smile. He doesn't need to be smiley Batman from the 1950s comics all the time or the 1960s comics, uh, 70s, but he, it's okay to smile every now and again as Batman because he is a person. He's a person. And people have emotions. And, if, and I'm sorry, let me say this. If Batman smiles and you're not on Batman's side, that should scare the befores out of you. You should be, you, at that point, you need diapers. If Batman smiles and you're not on Batman's side, you have just crapped yourself. Anyhow, Superman's Resurrection, I know we'll never get the reign of Superman. I know we'll never get, you know, that in live action form. Not while I'm alive, I imagine. Um, I would encourage everyone, everyone, to pick up however you can. The Death and Return of Superman, either the novelization by Roger Stern or the original comic runs, and you collect them all in, in, you know, book by book by book. It's not, you can find a lot of these in dollar bins uh, to read, you know, and, and, and compile the collection or pick them up in trades, however you, however you can. But I would encourage you to read those stories. Now, they are 90s, and so the Justice League looks a lot different than it does, you know, than what we're familiar with nowadays. Um, but once you get into the Superman stuff specifically, um, number one, the death of Superman is one of the most brilliantly done. Knowing that they did this just to put off getting Superman and Lois married and what they went in and the way they then decided, well, let's go at this creatively, the way they did it creatively. It's one of the greatest, most perfect comic book deaths ever. Um, it'll bring a tear to your eye. And then knowing that after Funeral for a Friend, that I, I don't know, I, think, I feel like they took off a month of publishing Superman stuff until finally the reign of the Superman started. And the mystery behind who is who and what is what, you know, with Steel taking on the Man of Steel and Superboy coming into play and the Man of Tomorrow and then the Cyborg Superman and then all of those plans coming to fruition for those who were evil and those who were taking things too far and those who were still just trying to do the right thing to the return, the actual return of Superman and stopping Mongol 
and and all that goes into all of that to the to the return of Superman. It's just it to me. There are masterfully done moments in those comics, um, with the death and return of Superman that are just beautiful, wonderful superhero comic book moments. And I cannot recommend highly enough. If I tell you, if you can find the novelization by Roger Stern, he does a really good job in that novelization of that whole story to not only explain to you what's happening in the story, but to give you background on everything you need background on. Um, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's good stuff. And I know we'll never get that live action. I, I think the animated, they're trying to do like an, a two part animated movie of it, which I'm all, I'm down like a clown, Charlie Brown, bring it on. Um, but I do wish there would have been a little more mystery behind the return of Superman. I know we didn't have time in this movie to flesh anything like that out. Um, I would have liked a little more story behind it all. I don't know how I feel about it being mother box technology and everything. But everything made sense from a science fiction standpoint that they did. And I'm not opposed to any of it. One of the cool things is, um, and, I, and I do believe this was Whedon's way of doing this. I think that Snyder had a, a longer little, and my friend Derek says more epic way of, of bringing Superman back. And that's fine. Um, the Snyder Cut doesn't exist, everybody, and that's okay as well. Um, but one of the really neat things is, though you never see him up close as Dead Clark, you can tell what kind of suit he's wearing, and it's a blue suit, white shirt, red tie. Check out uh, Clark. Do a Google image search. Let me. I want to make sure that I do this right. Uh, Clark Kent... Um, Ruby Spears. Do a Google Im image search for Clark Kent Ruby Spears and um, click on images and let me see if I can find a decent one here. They don't really show a good decent one, but that was his suit in that Ruby Spears cartoon. Um, it was the blue suit, white shirt, red tie. And uh, that's a classic animated Superman look, right on back to the filmation stuff. Um, it didn't carry over into the animated series per se. It kind of did sometimes, but they would they mix it up here and there. But I just thought it was great. I, I mean, that was just one of those little bitty minor attention to detail I've not heard anyone else talk about that just made me happy, and I appreciate it. Um, so, and I know that's a very minor thing. Uh, usually I can spot CGI, but and a lot of people are making a big deal about the, you know, where the mustache, where you could tell the mustache was painted out on Cavill. I never could tell, even, even having it pointed out to me, I'm like, okay, sure. You know, because everything is so, because of the way it's the, the way Snyder films. And, and I know that Whedon was probably filming a lot of that, but they were keeping that same style, you know, to, so it would flow. Okay. It's just, you know, there's a there's almost a filter over the camera that, you know, I, I couldn't really tell. So that was never a distraction for me. I really want more Superman from Cavill in the future. I hope we get a Man of Steel too. I hope that, I hope the lesson that we're learning from this movie, that the studios are learning from this movie, is not that the Justice League and these characters don't work and that they need to be rebooted again, but that there's, you know, they just need to have this course correction and... You know, and and accept what are mixed reviews, and 
and really pay attention to the positives and accentuate those in future movies. I really want to see this Superman go up against Brainiac. I want to see this Superman. I'd love to see this particular Superman have a bizarro. I'd love to see this Superman go up against the machinations of Luther without the Injustice Gang. Now, Luther is starting his gang up. We see that in the post credit sequence. Um, but I'd love to see him and Luther square off mano a mano. I'd love to see this Superman go up against a Metallo. I'd love to see this Superman go up against any number of Superman villains that we've never seen on screen before. Uh, I, I'd take a parasite. You know what I mean? Like, I, let's do it. Let's do it up. And, uh, and give me this Superman more and more. I could take a Superman a year, a movie with this Superman in it every year because I really like the direction that Superman has now gone in with the character uh, from this movie. Um, look, it's a big adventure. It sets up a potential bigger adventures down the road. Steppenwolf, was he lacking a bit as a villain? Maybe, but I love the boom tube technology look. I love what they did with boom tube. Um, it was, it was, there was the boom and it was a tube and it was, it was perfect. I didn't need anything else. I, I, I felt like I love the, the reference to the new gods and everything. And when you get into that new God stuff, they do start doing, um, they do start doing some, you know, some very over the top kind of mother. It's so good to see you mother, you know, and those boxes are mother boxes. Uh, read some of that new God stuff. There's some weird new gods out there. Granny goodness, anybody. Um, but man, I bring on dark side, go ahead, do it up, you know, bring on Cal Calabac and all those guys, or, you know, bring in Orion and big Barda and everybody, Mr. Miracle, just bring them all in. I don't think Mr. Miracle's a new God. I, don't, I think he's Scott free. I don't think he's a, what a fun name for someone's escape artist. Look, it's a big adventure. It's setting up potential bigger adventures down the road. This is what the comics I love do. And, and so for me, I completely come away absolutely okay with this movie. Having really enjoyed it, had a really good time with it. Is it my favorite superhero movie of all time? No. It, does it outdo the Avengers for me? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, but does it outdo... This would be interesting. I, I should, okay, here's what I'm going to do in the future. I'm going to walk through the Marvel Cinematic Universe and pick out which movies I like less than Justice League because there are some, and, uh, and we'll, we'll go through those and, uh, down the road, but I need to think about that. Um, but, I, but let me tell you, this is, for me, this is a step in the right direction. Unfortunately, the box office may not show that. Now, there are some disjointed things, of course, because of the Weed and Snyder stuff. Um, the, the, the score was fantastic. I do like Danny Elfman's score for this movie. Um, I will say this, the, in both viewings I saw in two different theaters, the, um, the score was overshadowed or, or drowned out by the sound effects and stuff at the time, which was unfortunate because there was some great stuff in there. The Wonder Woman theme done orchestrally rather than uh, with rather than electronically, I like a whole lot more than I like how the score was done by Zimmer and Junkie XL. And I've seen some other people complain about, well, Junkie XL should come back. That's fine if you like that. I really like what Elfman did, and I'm not a big Elfman fan. I am I'm not a fan of, of Danny Elfman a lot of times. I feel like a lot of his stuff has always kind of sounded the same. But um, 
but I like what he did in this in this film. It was it was big and epic where it needed to be. It was low key where it needed to be. Bringing in the original Superman theme seemed a little out of place to me based on what Zimmer did. But it's you know I'm never going to complain about William Superman theme being used. Using his own Batman theme was completely okay with me. Um, for twenty something years now, for almost thirty years, that's been the Batman theme. Just the way that William's theme has been the Superman theme for now forty years. So that's good stuff. 40, almost 40 years. Next year will mark 40 years since the release of Superman the movie. And we're definitely going to have to have a 40-year celebration of that um, when we get to that. So I, I do. I suggest go see Justice League. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that if you haven't seen it yet, for whatever reason, um, you, you need to go see it. I, I, think, it's, I think it's definitely worth your your time and um and and like i know Teresa is is not necessarily going to go see it because she doesn't care for Zack snyder or whatever the case may be and i'm going to encourage her to go see it. it it's good i it's good enough that i would recommend it to people who are superhero fans to go see this movie i could not recommend batman v superman to my friends nor can i recommend i mean i, I did recommend man of steel but that's just because of a loyalty to superman but when it was all said and done, I didn't feel like I could recommend Batman v Superman to my friends. This, I heartily recommend to people to go see, just like I did Wonder Woman. So for all of you people who think that all I ever do is hate on the DC Universe movies, guess what? Hey, liked it. Really enjoyed it. And and I think you will too, if you'll go in willing to have some fun with these superheroes. And, uh, and, and I do hope that Warner Brothers um, is able to completely right the ship on this thing. So... Here's a little bit of that Elfman score. As we move on here now, we not 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 a lot of time left, man. We've gone really long. I'm sorry for running on and on about Justice League. Um, a reading from Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor. This is by writer Wyndham and uh, friend of the show Adam Bray. Uh, a fig- the figure of a clone, unlike Stormtroopers, whose ranks were denoted by the color of pauldron on their shoulder. Clone ranks were displayed according to the color of stripes on their armor. Sergeants had green stripes, lieutenants had blue, captains had red, and clone commanders had yellow stripes. This meant that many clone action figures, Lego mini figures, and uh, busts, maquettes, and other merchandise invariably came in five different colors, including plain white, to collect. Of course, there were clone pilots, too, who had completely different helmet design. Hasbro officially released four, quote, sneak preview figures, in advance of Attack of the Clones on March 23rd, 2002, these figures included Django Fett, Zam Wessel, R3T7, and a Clone Trooper toy. Toys are, I'm sorry, a Clone Trooper. Toys R Us later sold an exclusive silver version of the Clone Trooper in 2003 for the silver anniversary of Star Wars. However, most merchandise for Attack of the Clones hit the store for the first time on April 23rd, 2002. Fans lined up at participating stores. I was one of them. For special Midnight Madness events beginning at 12.01 a.m., another figure that was released early on, was the Clone Trooper with a speeder bike, which featured removable armor plates and an arm rig to throw an electric grenade. I don't remember that. 
I'm going to have to check that out. That is a reading from Star Wars Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor. It's a great book that uh, really gets into not just on-screen stuff, but as you heard, the merchandising and the costuming and everything else. Check it out on Amazon or a store near you. Now, last time we were together, we told you about our Fandango gift card giveaway. I'm giving away two $25 Fandango gift cards here on this episode. All you had to do was go over to Twitter and tweet at Geek Out Loud um, this. All you had to do was say, I want to go to the movies with at Geek Out Loud, thanks to at Fandango. The way that I did this, so it would be fair, is I went to the first person who at replied Geek Out Loud with that, uh, with that statement. And that person was number one. And, in a, and I just started going down. Number two was the second and so forth. So the final person who tweeted uh, up to how many people were involved. Now, to, in, in all fairness, we had 20 people tweet Geek Out Loud that statement. And so I then went to a random number generator. You can go to random.org for the random number generator to pick a number between 1 and 20. I did this twice. And so our first winner is one Jacob Roth, at Obi Roth Kenobi on the Twitter. Um, he is uh, uh, in, the, in the Mixer Zoo crew as well, I believe, is old Jacob Roth. And uh, Roth in Wyoming, uh, as many of the, the zoo crew have fallen, fallen into Jimmy and George's footsteps and called themselves their name and where they're in. So, Jacob, you can direct message Geek Out Loud with your address and stuff and let us know. Uh, where we can send this to, and we'll get it out to you. We still have to get Maui Marks out to him. Our second winner in this episode uh, of a $25 Fandango gift card goes by at SansCR on the Twitter. That's Carissa Sands on the Twitter. Also another member of the old zoo crew. Um, And uh, so, Carissa, uh, you can direct message me or email us and let us know your address or I will be traveling through Kennesaw on the way down to South Georgia on Friday, and I can just hand it to you in person. So uh, let me know what you prefer, and we'll get those out to you guys. Now, I do have another Fandango gift card to give away, and this is how we're going to do this one. Um, $25 Fandango gift card is going to go to a random person who does this. Right now, as I'm recording this, I'm headed over to Facebook.com. I'm going to the Guardians of the Goliverse Facebook group. Um, if you haven't joined, you can go to Facebook and um, join up with the, uh, with the group. And, um, and then you'll see a post from me where I'm going to say this. Who wants to go to the movies with Geek Out Loud and Fandango? And then what you need to do is comment under that post. Comment however you want to comment, and uh, we will. Um, we I will I will do it the same way. I will assign you a number based on when you commented, and um, and when you comment, and and then we will uh, do the random number generator uh, next uh, next week. Now. This portion of this contest is only going to go through December 6th. So this will end on December 6th. And, um, and you say, well, Steve, I thought you said on the last episode 
you had one more to give away. Well, we do. I do have one more to give away. And um, as a thank you to those of you who support us through Patreon, we're going to do that over on the Patreon page at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And, um, and so there'll be a post there for you guys who are Patreon supporters uh, here in the next few days to see what you need to do to enter to win that. But that'll be open only to Patreon supporters. And uh, I wanted to, and I know that narrows the playing field quite a bit, everyone, but um, I always, you know, look, I haven't been great on doing the reward scale like I'm supposed to. And so if I can throw the Patreon people any type of bone, any type of advantage in any way, I want to do that for the Patreon supporters uh, who I desperately uh, and so greatly, greatly appreciate. So this contest is going to end on December 6th. Comment over there. Remember, if you haven't joined up yet and you join up, there are a couple of questions that we need you to answer just to make sure that you are a Goliverse listener, and uh, and then we will uh, we'll get you in there. So um, we will uh, we'll have it done, um, and uh, and that and that's our Fandango. So congratulations not only to Mark and Maui or Maui Mark, but to Jacob Broth and Carissa Sands. Get in touch with me with those addresses, Mark. I know you already have. Uh, get in touch with those addresses. We'll get these sent out to you uh, tomorrow or the next day. Before the end of the week, we'll, we'll have these things sent out to you. Now, before we go, there is, there is a little matter of business we need to clear up. There was an idea to bring together group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more so when they needed us we could fight the battles that they never could that you're right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. Evacuate the city. Engage all defenses. And get this man a shield. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face.
the hell are you guys? <laughs> Look, I got to tell you something straight up. I'm in. I of course you know I'm in. The the use of the Avengers theme, the use of what Sam Jackson, what what uh, Nick Fury was saying when there was a plan to bring and and you go through the different Avengers, quoting different parts of that little monologue, uh, through all the different imagery and everything. I, look, I, I'm and, and I'm not. I was really torn on whether to call a person out or not. But some today, Teresa posted this excited, and the first comment under was "meh." I, I'm so done with "meh." And I know that, that part of this is because I'm biased into wanting to like this movie and, and, and to looking forward to Infinity War and everything. But my thing is, is like, look, if you don't have anything to say, that's that's the Gulliver's, that's the Geek Out Loud way. It's like, it's a, later on the person began to give some legit criticism that could be discussed and talked about. But, you know, don't start out with meh, meh, meh. Don't pee on people's parade. Because this is, look, this is great. And this does not look cookie cutter. This looks like something we've not seen in the Marvel Universe. Yes, the stakes, the stakes are high now. Thanos is a scary villain because he loves death and he wants to wipe out half the universe by using the Infinity Gauntlet. That's his plan. How do I know that's his plan? Well, that's his, well he talked about bringing balance to the universe. And if you read the old Infinity War, that's what he was doing. And so now you've got the Avengers having to stand together to take him out. And there's been some, I've seen some people already making fun of Thanos's look. Trust me, I guarantee you, it'll start to look pretty awesome later on down the road. It has to. I mean, I imagine he'll get his armor and everything, and he'll be the Thanos we're all looking forward to seeing. But you've got to give it time to build. They're not going to give it all away in, a, in, in the first trailer in two and a half minutes. You know, I'm not sure I like the Iron Spider look. I'm not a big fan of that. But that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I love the use of the Avengers theme in this trailer. That's all. I mean, that what, what it really comes down to is I love the use of the Avengers theme in this trailer. Um, man, it is it it's so good. Uh, it is this trailer is just it makes me happy. Bruce looking as though he's crashed through the stairs of the Sanctum Sanctorum and and Wong and and Doctor Strange there. And of course, everyone's making a big deal about get this man a shield, you know. And Cap comes out of the shadows. That's right. Um, Thanos's line about you know bringing balance is not necessarily fun, but this brings a smile to my face. That's some good stuff right there. You know that just kind of lets you know what's going on. Um, let me let's uh, see if I can, let's see how good my skills are. And get this man a shield. <laughs> And get this man a shield. Oh, yeah, get this man a shield. Bucky's out. You know, he's leading the charge. Uh, Scarlet, not Scarlet Witch, um, Black Widow has obviously been incognito. She's got the old blonde look that is a, that is a look from the comics. Uh, blonde-haired Black Widow. Um, Bucky is leading the charge. There's Sam, the, the Falcons in this. It's just so cool to see all these people together. Not fighting one another, ladies and gentlemen. Fighting with one another, not fighting against one another, fighting with one another. And then that then the way that theme just swells for the logo right into Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh man. Look. That's my breakdown of the trailer. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it.
forget you if you're not. I, I mean, not forget you if you're not. That's fine if you're not. But I, I think that that these last two Avengers movies, whatever they choose to do in Phase Four after Avengers Four, to me is just icing on a cake that I have enjoyed for ten years now. Um, these Marvel movies. I, I did not know what to expect with Iron Man going in, and I was so happy with Iron Man back in 2008. And and what they've done, even their misses, have been. I've walked away saying, "I'll see the I'll see the next one," you know, like the, nothing has turned me off to these movies at all. And and maybe that's look, I'm prone to like them, of course, but come on. Hey, I haven't been on board with Agents of Shield. I'm not finished with Punisher yet. A lot of people said a lot of good things about Punisher. He's not really my speed. You know, I, I was honest about my thoughts about Iron Fist and some of the things that have been done with the Marvel TV side of things on Netflix and all. I've been honest. I feel like I've been honest about the movies. But you, to me, this is what we've been waiting for. Since, since Thanos turned in his chair and smiled at the end of Avengers, this is the moment. Since, I, since, since Nick Fury said, I'm here to tell you about the Avengers Initiative, this is what we've been waiting for. This is all the heroes that we've met coming together in a huge crossover kind of way. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. It's exciting. It's not just the world in jeopardy. It's the whole universe in jeopardy. Our characters are in jeopardy. There are bridges that have to be rebuilt. There are conversations to be had. There's a relationship between Wanda and the Vision, apparently. It's, it's, everything is coming up aces. And I couldn't be happier about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I want to thank everyone for joining us on this episode of Geek Out Loud. I appreciate you listening so much. You're, you're fantastic for putting up with me and all my ramblings. Um, if you want to support the shows and you can't do Patreon, I completely get it and understand. There are other ways you can do it, especially now during the holiday season with Amazon. There are Amazon links found at Geek Out Online and geekoutpodcast.com. Uh, if you want to buy a Geek Out Loud t-shirt, do so by going to geekoutonline.com slash shirts. That'll take you to our store. Uh, we've got to get that Bobby the Blue Whale shirt in there, and we'll hopefully have that soon. Um, we've got the design, and we're going to get it put in there uh, soon. So look for that if you're a Big Honkin' Show fan. Uh, now, uh, there are also Entertainment Earth links, which is great for Christmas shopping. Think Geek, great for Christmas shopping. And a few other fun little links. Check out those different places that are there and see if there's anything that catches your eye um, for stuff you may want to do for loved ones for the holiday season. Use those links, and and it helps the shows out tremendously, and we greatly appreciate you doing so. Don't forget about Tops, uh, tops tops.com, where you can get those countdown cards to The Last Jedi. You can order your Marvel Masterworks, and, of course, the Star Wars Card Trader app on the Android and iOS device of your choice. Make sure... You're using that. Hey, you didn't think I was going to go without giving you a little bit of something else. Here's a reading from the little golden book, Star Wars Saga, seven books in one. The heroes race aboard the Millennium Falcon and take off. Imperial TIE fighters try to shoot them down, but Han and Luke climb into the Falcon's guns base and blast the TIE fighters to bits. Soon the heroes are zooming across the galaxy to deliver the Death Star plans to the rebels that's from the little golden book collection of star wars a seven book collection in one that's some fun stuff if you ask me just like justice league was fun stuff 
Isn't Justice League fun? Hi, neighbor. You know what's a fun movie? Justice League. Superman's great in Justice League. You should check it out. It's not Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers didn't have a real southern voice like that. He was always real friendly and just, you know, he was soft-spoken, sure. But um, but he was a good man. Mr. Rogers was a good man. I will, You cannot talk crap about Mr. Rogers on this show. Congratulations, our Fandango winners. Use the Fandango links to buy gift cards or purchase tickets when you go to geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. It all helps the shows out, and I appreciate everyone who has done so to help the shows out. If you want to email us, email us geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at geekoutloud. You can follow the entire Goloverse of shows at Goloverse. Big weekend coming up. SEC championship game. It's Auburn in a rematch with Georgia. Well, Georgia, it was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Go dogs. Oh, also, this is a great note to end on. How about someone sends you a gift, and in the gift, there's a thank you note in the gift. I should be sending Amanda a thank you note. And it was so sweet of you, Amanda, at Jedi Geek Girl. Give her a follow on Twitter. Amanda, thank you so much for the cards. I haven't really sorted through them yet. I've seen some classics that I know I love, the old Marvel cards. I noticed some Lord of the Rings cards in there, which really fire me up. I didn't even realize there were such things as Lord of the Rings cards. And now I'm really into that. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Amanda. What a kind, kind gift that was. And I apologize. I, I thought it was Amanda a while ago, and I thought it was at Jedi Geek Girl, but I was doubting myself, and I didn't want to, to say the wrong thing and further insult you by not thanking you properly. So thank you so much for that. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. I appreciate every single one of you for listening so much. You are truly the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. 